position. Because God is awesome. God is awesome. You know, I don't get often to say just how much I love this church and I love you people. And some of us have been together for almost 20 years now. We've known each other. We've been through some battles. We've been through some journeys. But we've also enjoyed everything that God has had for us. Amen. Amen. And we'll continue to do that. Amen. You know, it's just amazing how God works. The other day I was here in the church Friday. I was doing something I shouldn't have done. Uh, and I ended up elevating my heart rate to like 135. Oh, and I could, I was on a, as that started, I also started a Zoom meeting with a sound engineer in Virginia. So I'm trying to do a Zoom meeting with this guy. My heart is, is racing at like 130 and it's going down to 70, going back up. And it's just, you know, the sweat is pouring off of me. And we're trying to get through this and then, I, the guy says, you know, you're going to have to stop and just do this. I had to end up calling the little red wagon and, and, and get a ride down to the hospital because the chest pain was just so bad my pacemaker wouldn't pace me down. But after a good shot of morphine, the pain went away, the pacemaker worked, so after a couple hours I left and came home. And that's just the way it is because that's how God works. And this is this happened once before. It happened uh, Christmas Eve, a year over a year ago. That time, I think I called Javier and said, "Come, I'm at the hospital. Come pick me up. I'm not going to spend Christmas here." <laughs> so he came and got me. But you know, God just continues to pour out His blessings on us. Amen. You know, and I want to get an opportunity to say, you know, if something happens that I don't get to say how much I love you guys, let me say it now and how much I've appreciated each and every one of you, and some of you we've gotten very close over the years and stuff, and how much I appreciate that. So I just want to get that out while I have the opportunity. This morning, we're going to talk about God's work. I guess you Miles, don't forget, we love you too. Amen. Amen. We're going to talk a little bit about God's wrath. God's wrath is not for me. I titled it God's Wrath. No, not me. I don't want anything to do with it. Last week we talked from the beginning of Romans chapter 1, where Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. And you can't be ashamed. I know there's people in this church right now who have shown that they're not ashamed of the gospel, that they've been in very secular workplaces, yet they've prayed for co-workers They've gone above and beyond, and coworkers have come to them and said, hey, you know, I need prayer this morning. Help me, because they know that they believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ, Amen. that they know they're Christians. So, you know, it's wonderful when you can go out into this world and shine like the light Jesus asked you to be. That's who we are. We're the light in the hill. Amen. We're the light in the darkness. And it's wonderful because I know people that are constantly doing that. You know, I hear some of the stories, sometimes they tell me themselves. You know, most of the time they're a little too humble to do that and you, you hear it from somebody else. But eventually we know that there, there are people and, and that's the thing. 
to go out and do that. And that's what Paul's saying. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'll speak it in it, you know, wherever I need to. That's who I am. But we ended up at verse 18, and we ended up with the first part of verse 18, which says, the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppresses the truth and unrighteousness. And we continue there, and it goes on to 19. I'm going to read 19 through 25, and it says, because what may be known of God is manifested in them, for God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes have been clearly seen, being understood by things that are made, even in his eternal power and Godhead, so that they were without excuse. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were they thankful, but frugal in their thoughts and foolish in their hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools. They exchanged the glory of an incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. Therefore, God also gave them up to their uncleanliness in the lusts of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves, who exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. Amen. So today, the wrath of God is not an uncontrollable emotional outburst like we humans have. Like those people that have been around me, like I spoke about for a lot of years, they've seen me have outrageous outbursts of anger. They know how humans react. They've seen it in display. Unfortunately, I have displayed it at times. Not too proud of it, but I've done it. It is like a display of justice as a holy reaction towards anything that is contrary or, or against God's standards or characters. That's what wrath is. God's wrath is provoked by the wicked behavior of people, nations, and the unfaithfulness of the Israelites and the people nowadays in the New Covenant. Judgment or punishment that results in God's wrath is against sin and the expression of sin and the righteousness and unholiness. In the past, God justified his anger. It was a holy reaction. It was a hatred towards sin. It was a hatred towards rebellion. And he did it in the Old Testament as such things as the flood. You all remember the flood? when he flooded the land, and then after that he told Noah he would never do it again. But then you had famine, and then you had the plagues. The one I remember the most is the locusts just devouring everything as they came upon the land. They left nothing. In the present time, God's anger is seen how he gives the wicked and defiant people over to moral filthiness, spiritual corruption, and ungodly passions. What Paul is saying here is if that's the way you're going to live, if you're going to live like the world, go do it. God washes his hands of you. He's done with you. There's nothing you can do. It's like God's kicking you to the curb. He basically is removing his hand from you. And if you think about it, if you look at Jesus when he 
sent out the 70. And he told them, hey, you go into this place. And the people receive you well. And they seem joyous and happy. And they're hearing your words and, and all that. Fine, stay. But if they want nothing to do with you, just dust off your sandals and move on. And that's what we as people have to do. There's millions and millions of people that are out there that need the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. You can't sit there and try to spend it on the same person for five years. Amen. If they didn't listen then, they're not going to listen now. Amen. Come on. Come on. Quit wasting your time with it. Move on. They get hungry. God touches their heart. They'll come see you. In the future, God's wrath is going to get poured out a little differently. We have the great tribulation, the day of judgment. And nobody wants to see that. I mean, the final end of God's wrath is going to be eternal punishment. It's going to be a permanent end to your relationship with God. God will have nothing to do with you. You will not be allowed in his presence. But here, this year, we've, we've put forth something called 40 or more. We want to go 40 days into more of God through more scripture reading, more prayer. If you didn't get one of the bulletins, the little handouts, they're up there on the table. A 40-day fast from January 1st to February 10th. But it's all about pressing in, as Pastor Goodman calls it. It's all about getting closer to God. This is where we want to lead the church. This is where we want to lead the people. Because the deeper you get into God, the more your light's going to shine. Amen. The stronger you're going to get, the more ability you're going to have. There's going to be people in this church and, and stuff that are going to have the ability to just go over and pray for people and they get healed right away. Amen. Because God is going to use them because you're that close to God. That's what we want. We, don't, we all have the opportunity to receive the gift of eternal life. And God's wrath is not his final word. Everybody in this place is still breathing. So everybody in this place has the opportunity to say, hey, whatever habits I, should, I had that I should have get rid of, I'm going to get rid of today. Whatever I shouldn't do anymore, whatever I is evil in God's eyes, whatever God is not seeing as holy and righteous, I'm going to stop doing because I have an opportunity to restore my relationship with Jesus. And that's the most important thing, is to get that relationship right. I mean, today's culture has spiraled so far downward. They have walked away from God. They have walked away. The moral failure in this Society is, is outrageous. It's just outrageous. Moral failure is even present in the church. Some mighty pastors have gone down with moral failure. Mm -hmm. They've been corrupted by it. So still the unrighteousness tries to come in. The enemy is always going to be there. The weapons of the prince of darkness are always going to attack 
those. And the closer you try to get to God, the more you want of God, the more you go after God. When the enemy knows your name, when the enemy knows your name, he's going to come after you. He's going to come after you. He's going to come after you with pride. He's going to come after you with bitterness, with unforgiveness, with idolatry, with sexual immorality, with selfishness. And you see these things start to penetrate the church. Back when I was a kid, back in the, I won't say, but there was a guy named Jerry Farwell. He had a radio show called The Moral Majority. So television wasn't around. But once in a while, my parents would make me listen to it. They didn't listen to it a lot, but once in a while. You know, and, and the moral decline was starting even then in the society. And it's gotten even worse today. We're, we're just seeing it. We also see in churches where preachers are not preaching the true gospel message. There's churches you'll go into, you'll never hear the word sin. You'll never hear the word hell. Why? Because it doesn't build the church. In their eyes, it doesn't help their bank accounts. I mean, some of the preachers that fell to moral failure, I mean, one of them was making over $400,000 a year. A salary. Corporations, the money that people is driving people, we have to stop that. Idolatry of money. Yep. I mean, there's got to be people in this world that go home at night, take the money out of their wallet, wash it, hang it up to dry, and look at it. <laughs> <laughs> they call it laundering money. But, but there are people that must worship those things. I mean, I have people in my complex that worship their cars. I mean, this guy is out there every day polishing this car. Idolatry. What have we turned God into? What have you made God into? Have you let God be who God really is? Or have you changed it? Oh, it's okay. God will let this slide. Everybody's doing it. It's okay. And God doesn't say that. God doesn't say that. God is very holy. God is very righteous, and that's the way he wants you to be. When he made you a new creation, when you repented of all your sins and you surrendered yourself to the will of God, he took away all your past. He took away every ungodly thing you ever did. And he remembered it no more. He said, you were brand new in my sight, like a, like a newborn babe. God was holding you, saying, now, go out as my child, the child of the living God. He picked you out out of millions of people. His righteousness, his wrath, his judgment. God gives man up to sin. If that's the way you want to live, he's going to let you live that way. But don't be like Lazarus when you, you go into eternal life and you sit there and you, you can see heaven and you're like, oh, 
oh, just let me have a quite a drink of water. Just moisten my lips. Go tell my relatives what's happening. Go tell my relatives to turn from their wicked ways so they don't end up where I am. That was the message he tried to get out. And Hosea, Hosea makes a great expression. He says about giving up and God's giving up. He says, Ephraim is joined to his idols. Leave him alone. That's what you need to do, folks. If people are living for their idols of the world, leave them alone. Leave them alone. You have no business there. You're not that person anymore. You're a child of the living God. We think at times that and we make a mistake that God's mercy and God's kindness is going to allow people to continue to sin. Scripture never says that. Scripture gives you no reinforcement like that. Right. It says, turn from your wicked ways, and I will heal your land. You will hear from heaven. But God's going to, if you want to destroy yourself, God's going to let you do it. Mm -hmm. I mean, he may be crying up there as he watches you do it, but he's going to let you do it. Who exchanged the truth of God for a lie? In every rebellion and disobedience of God, we exchange the truth of God for a lie of our own choosing. I've been there. A lot of you have all been there. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. Help us to lead others into the truth. In Romans 1, 29 through 31, this is the end of the chapter. It talks about the things that are not fitting covetousness which is literally described the niche for more, the wanting, the desire of more. Whisperers, secret detractors who pretend in secrecy to carry out accusations against their neighbors, whether they're true, whether they're false, blasting their reputation like a tattletale. Envy, is this a small sin? Envy is so powerful that there is a sense in which you put Jesus on the cross. Envy is what Jesus went up there to fight against. Pilate knew that it was the envy of the Jews that handed Jesus over to him. They were jealous of him. The religious leaders didn't know how to handle that. And then you have pride, which is probably number one. Those are continually exalting themselves and depressing others, magnifying themselves at the expense of their neighbors and wishing all men to receive the sayings of them and the oracles they peruse. Those who practice and approve of these things in God's eyes are worthy of death. They're worthy of the wrath of God. All those that do violence and immorality and cruelty and degradation against others, they're all worthy of the judgment of God. But the good news is, those of us that want to come in on a Sunday morning and worship God and sing songs to him and glorify him in all that we do, God has a place for us. Amen. He has a home for us. He's going to make us part of his eternal family. We are God's chosen people. Amen. 
Glorify means to praise God, to honor him, to give him adoration. The Bible does it in two different ways. It's our actions towards God. How do we react to God? How do we pretend to be with God? How do we call God? The other example, you heard part of it this morning. When it says in scripture, or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. You were bought by a price, folks. Jesus paid a debt for you. But he covered all your sins. He made you a new creation. He gave some of you really, really great gifts to use for his kingdom. Amen. The second thing is to describe God's actions towards us. In John 1, verse 12, it says, But as many received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God and to those to believe in his name. I think it's awesome to be called the child of God. I think it's really great that you're all children of God. I have seen great things out of each and every one of you in this place done by God. God has used you for many great things. He glorifies us by giving us eternal life. It says in Romans 8.30, Moreover, he whom he predestined, these who he had called, whom he had called, these he has justified, these he has justified, he has glorified. This is what God has done. He has glorified you. Just so you can glorify him. It says in 1 Corinthians 10.4, it's 10.31, excuse me. Therefore, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all to glorify God. Do it all to glorify God. Colossians 3.17 says, and whatever you do in word or deed, do it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ giving thanks to God the Father through him. This is how we're to live. And we saw that this morning. During the worship service, I could hear everyone singing and worshiping God. They were crying out with their hearts. They were calling out to God. They were giving him adoration. Colossians 3.2 says, set your minds on things of above, not of the earth. That's a difficult thing for a lot of people because we think our life is here. But your lifespan here is going to be a lot less years than your lifespan in eternity. In all eternity, you're going to be gone for a long time. Eternity is forever. So you're going to spend a lot more time with Jesus in heaven than you are here on this earth. When we think about God in heaven, it helps us keep our minds focused on what's important. If we're thinking about God, it helps us avoid sinful thoughts. If we're thinking about God, we tend to meditate on his word. If we think about God, we tend to glorify God in what we do. Colossians 3 says, therefore, as God's elect, holy and beloved, 
Put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another, forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, you must do also. But above all things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. I see that out of so many of you. I see that out of so many of you. You put on the bond of perfection. You put on the bond of perfection. I see that from so many of you. Continue down that path that Jesus has led you. Don't be distracted. Don't be distracted by this world. Do not be distracted by things going on around you. But continue. Continue. Continue to put on the garment of faith. Continue to wear Jesus Christ in all you do. Giving God glory is being fully persuaded that what he has promised you, he can give you. If you believe that God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory, then God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. You don't need to do anything. He will do it. One more thing about that. One activity that in scripture associates more than other anything about glorifying God is the worship, the heart of worship. Your heart and your worship of God, whether you're here, whether you're on the platform, whether you're home in your bedroom, whether you're at work, no matter where you are, if you're worshiping God, it makes a lot of difference. If your life is a style of worship, in everything you do, you're worshiping God. You are glorifying him in all that you do. This is what Paul is speaking about. This is what Paul is telling you, that no matter what you do, no matter where you go, no matter who you are, you can worship and honor God in everything that you do, in everything that you do. Worship is a distinct activity. It takes time. You have to set aside time to, to pray to God, to worship him in word, to worship him by reading his word. Whether you want to sing to him or whether you just want to talk to him or whatever, just spending time telling God how great he is, how much you love him, how much you admire him, how much you're thankful for everything he's given you. This is the thing that we lack sometimes, is telling God just how important he is to us. Because without God, none of us would be here. None of us would be here. We would have no reason to be here. In scripture, they call worship just continued exaltation of God. I know people that when they're driving, they're praying. I know people that when they're driving, they listen to the word. I know people that are when they're driving, they're listening worship music and singing but everything they're doing while they're doing that is giving God praise 
They're honoring God. They're worshiping God. They're calling out to God just how great he is. We need to continue to, continue to praise him, to worship him, and to honor him. You have the privilege of doing that. You have the privilege of doing that. Not everybody can do that. Not everybody can say that. That God, I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. I love you. How great is our God. How great. What are the wonderful things God has done for you today? What are the wonderful things God has done for you? I'm grateful. I'm still alive. He could have took me out Friday. He could have took me out a year ago. He can... He can take me anytime he wants me. I know that. I've prepared myself for it. When God said it's time to go, I'm gone. But I'm going to glorify God every single day for the rest of my life. Amen. As long as I'm here. Amen. That's the way we've got to live. We've got to live like that. We gotta be that light in this world. I mean, there are crazy, crazy things going on. There was a lady on the news this morning. Her job before, she was paid by the state of New York. She was paid by the state of New York to teach teachers and in school officials how to turn children and explain to children about being transsexual and changing their sexual identity. She got paid by the state of New York to do this. She made a living going out and corrupting the children. But then she had an awakening and she went in and she changed her life, and now she's taking the parents, and she's talking to the parents, and she's telling the parents all the corrupt things that they had her doing, and all the crazy things they had her doing. And she's kind of, at one time she was brainwashing them one way, and now she's changing them the other way. So it's really crazy the way things are going. It's really bad the way things are. So folks, it's, your, it's up to you how you handle things. But God has given you all the greatest opportunity in the world. He's given you all the opportunity to walk with him and to talk with him. He's given you the opportunity to live in his presence, to be a part of his family. He's prepared a mansion in heaven for you. For you. Because you're his children. Precious are you in his sight. Come on up, Jason. Let's all stand.
Oh, Lord, we thank you this morning. 